Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. And this is This Week in Skating. We scour the internet so you don't have to in order to focus on the confirmed news and updates. This episode, we're bringing you the news and updates through September 18th. Busy week. Once again, we've had a Challenger Autumn Classic. We had a Junior Grand Prix. We had Solo Dance Final. We also celebrated our 100th episode. We did. And we just delivered to you guys, you know, kind of a recap in what happened in the world of This Week in Skating since we started publishing episodes in May of 2022. Wow. May of 2022. Crazy. I know. And here it is, September. (laughs) I feel like we're in the thick of it. I know the Grand Prix haven't started yet, but I'll tell you what, it's still been very busy. And I don't think it's showing any signs of slowing down anytime soon. Well, actually, I think when this, just about when we launched this episode here, we're a month away from Skate America. Skate Mm -hmm. America is October 20th, so people will start, you know, practices, I believe, will be October 19th, and people will start arriving in Allen, Texas, but yeah, so we are just a month away from the start of the Senior Grand Prix. I know, it's crazy. And we're over halfway through the Junior Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. So to kick off our episode, we're going to start with Autumn Classic, and for Autumn Classic... We decided to invite a guest on, someone who attended the competition, and so she was on site and got to witness the skating in person. We are going to be talking to and want to welcome Claire Cloutier of A Divine Sport. Hi, Claire. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. So great to have you with us. Yes. Excited to talk about some skating because you were there, you saw it, and you can uh, maybe share some of that, uh, of what that felt like or or what you got to see as we go through a little bit of a recap of each of the four disciplines. Four disciplines were there, right? In general, though, Gina, you want to share a little bit of our pre-discussion information? Sure. So one of the... First things I noticed was somebody in the Kiss and Cry who we just saw competing last season, but Brandon Frazier was the, a coach in Montreal for Isabel Martins and Ryan Bedard, along with Chelsea Liu and Balaj Nagy. Um, it was kind of cool seeing him sitting there, different role for Brandon. I don't know, Claire, if you got to see Brandon around and about um, or got to talk to him at all. Um, I wonder what he thought about his first experience being a coach at a competition instead of a skater. Yeah, I actually did get a chance to talk with Brandon um, just briefly. He uh, came to the mix zone with with some of his with his teams, and um, yeah, he's he's doing great, and he's kind of stepped into coaching um, a little bit. And taking on a little bit bigger role with the pairs traveling with them to this event because of uh, Todd Sands, you know, illness, um, him recovering from his heart attack. Brandon is kind of filling in a little bit to help out 
uh, Jenny Mino, Sand, and her group um, with the with the pairs. And um, yeah, and so he, I think, was enjoying being there in a different role. <laughs> and, and he was, um, you know, really super supportive of his teams. <laughs> yeah, he looked relaxed to me. You know, he was casual appearance in the kiss and cry, just very calm and relaxed and um, enjoying being with his teams. I also saw another familiar face in the kiss and cry. And I actually took a screenshot and shared it on the FSO uh, Twitter and it's gone, gone crazy. At first I had to take like really look and say, is that Javier Fernandez in the kiss and cry? And sure enough, it was, he was a coach for Andrea Menez of Mexico. Um, so did you see him around at all? Did not see Javier around. No, um, unfortunately, he didn't uh, visit the mix zone with uh, I'm not sure his skater came through there. So unfortunately, I didn't mm -hmm. see him, though. Yeah. So it was cool to see him as well. I think that was the first time I've seen him in a kiss and cry coach role. Um, so it was cool. Um, another thing, Robin told us it was cold in the rink. Was it cold in the rink? It was freezing in the rink. It was super cold. They had these gigantic fans that were sitting on the side of the rink. So, you know, it was already cold. And then the fans just, you know, sort of amplified the effect, I guess you could say. <laughs> fans do that. And, and especially, it makes me think about how it is on the coast of Maine when you get the the winds that blow the cold in from the ocean. It's like a bone-chilling cold. And so I'm picturing in my head... Oh my gosh, you probably needed a parka just to survive. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I was really glad I I brought my winter coat with me. Yeah. It's not quite time for winter yet. We no. still have autumn to go through, and I'm just wanting to enjoy that before the snow flies. Yeah, this was called the Autumn Classic, not the Winter Classic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it looked like there was a pretty good crowd, mostly all of the weekend. I think Thursday it was kind of, you know, more quieter. But, you know, Friday and Saturday, it looked like there was a good crowd for most of the events, would you say? Yeah, for a Challenger series, it was not bad. And, um, you know, also there was a lot of um, participation, crowd participation from the IM skaters. You know, there were quite a few uh, IM dancers who were who were spotted in the stands you know sort of cheering on their teammates um like Una and Gage Brown were there and um definitely a few others as well so um it was fun to see the skaters <laughs> I wondered <laughs> if some of the IM skaters would be there yeah definitely all right so do we want to move on to talking about the men so I've yeah, obviously, Ilya Malinin. I mean, oh, he opened his season earning the first 100 in the short program so far this season. He had an almost 15-point lead after the free skate. Now, he chose not to do the quad axle in the free skate, which I thought was a smart move. Because as soon as I saw his lead after the short program, I was like, you don't need to go for it right now. It's so... Like, it's early, let's, you know, you've kind of, he had it in the bag and he was going to win this event. 
Um, but he still had a free skate that included a quad toe, triple toe combination. And then of course the jump that I like the triple Lutz, triple axle sequence. Cause I think that's just incredible. Um, he did have double his planned quad loop, but he won the event by 44 points. Did he say anything in the mix zone, Claire, anything that was of interest about his programs or just about his performance? Um, well, he did talk in the mix zone about how he was really focusing, you know, sort of on his presentation and um, just wanting to put the programs out there, get some reaction and feel how they felt under pressure. And, you know, I really felt like that was a theme that he, he definitely was carrying through the competition because like on practice, when I saw him on practice, he was very um, low key with the jumps. Like he really spent most of his time, you know, doing footwork, stroking, and then doing his run through, but without many jumps. And it was only at the end of his uh, practice session that he really ramped it up with the jumps. Um, so I think he really, you know, definitely had the focus that he wanted to, you know, keep the um, his concentration on the programs uh, more than like just the jumps, you know, um, that that felt like his his theme for this event, I guess you could say. Well, I know Daphne and I were talking about Canada's Stephen Golgolev, who was second after the short program. He dropped to third after a fifth place free skate. But I think it was good for him just to kind of show that he's still, you know, he's had like difficult seasons and I felt like this was a good start to the season for him. And to kind of say, hey, Canada, don't forget about me. Like, especially now with Keegan not competing, there's just this like void with the Canadian men. And I think Stephen has kind of been like, he's just had some difficult seasons. And I think this was a good start for him that hopefully this will you know, push him, um, throughout the rest of the season. And I don't know if you had any thoughts on him at all. Yeah. I just, you know, I did feel like seeing him at this event, you know, I also saw him at his last event, um, last season, which was four continents, you know, or one of his last events. And, you know, I felt like he definitely looked more solid here. Um, he definitely looked more overall consistent, even though I know he wasn't totally happy with his free skate you know he still looked more to me overall consistent and a little bit more complete in his skating too with his presentation and stuff yeah so it seems like he's on the right yeah, track yeah and then francis kevin amos who was sixth after the short program jumped up to claim the silver medal I'm wondering what your thoughts are on his bolero free skate i was a little bit I mean, Bolero is such a classic and I always, you know, go to Torvald and Dean and think of Bolero. And so when anybody else does Bolero, I'm in this like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to think of it. And I, this one, I was still a little bit, I don't know what I think of it. I think maybe I got to see it again and kind of, you know, see it develop. But maybe what your thoughts of it was being there actually in person, you know, sometimes it's different when you're in person than watching on TV. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I do think I am actually really glad to have seen it in person for his first, uh, you know, his first performance, because, you know, I think especially when you see it in person, you can really appreciate how unique a lot of his moves are in the program and, you know, just really different things, you know, that you don't see other skaters do and, 
and that definitely we've not seen anyone do before to Bolero. Um, so yeah, I, you know, definitely first impressions. I really enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, love the creativity for sure. Anybody else in the men's event that stuck out to you? Anybody that you really enjoyed and thought, you know, that they're looking good so far this season? Yeah, well, I have to say, um, you know, Boyang Jin, he came in fifth, and um, which is a pretty good result for him, you know, considering he's still in the comeback trail for sure. And um, his quads actually sort of stood out because, you know, especially in the free skate, it was just like, spring you know <laughs> like they just seem to go to shoot right up there and um and you know he seemed like really uh you know just sort of calm and and happy with where he's at in the mix zone so i'm kind of thinking we may see some good stuff from boying okay. this year all right yeah and of course um Soda Yamamoto, you know, of course, he's always amazing with his skating skills. Um, you know, great, great to watch. And, you know, obviously still just getting started with his season, but um, you know, definitely appreciating his skill on the ice for sure. So uh, let's go ahead and move on to the women, of course. Carrie Sakamoto looks strong in her international season debut here winning by over 30 points. What did you take away from seeing her performances in person? And did she say anything in the mix zone that um, you thought was interesting or a good takeaway? Um, I, you know, <laughs> one thing that kind of stuck out in the mix zone was uh, Kaiori mentioned that after winning Worlds for the second time, she sort of gave herself a little treat she took a week off and she said, this was a very bold move for me to take a week off um, from skating and training. And, um, you know, I I have to applaud her work ethic. It sounds like she has an amazing work ethic. Uh, she sure deserved a week off. I'm glad she gave herself that in the off season. She deserved more Hopefully than a week off. Wow. Yeah, just a <laughs> week off. A month. <laughs> <laughs> well she was in a lot of the summer tours too so yeah she looked great though you know obviously like not in her peak form yet um for the season and she just did mention in the mix zone that um you know she still is um not really where she wants to be with long program run-throughs um the second half of the program is still you know pretty big pretty difficult to get through that second half of the program for her so um you know i'm sure she's going to be ramping up her training but you know looking good to start with for sure so canon had a very successful event here with two medals two canadian women uh kaya ruder finished uh she rose from fourth place after the short program to get the silver medal overall um what are your takeaways from her performances um, I have to say this was my first time seeing Kaya live and really enjoyed it. Um, she is just like a little fireball. She has so much energy both on and off the ice. Um, 
in the kiss and cry she's like or, or sorry in the mix zone she's like talking a mile a minute um and you know just has so much to say and really fun engaging personality um and uh and i had a lot of fun watching her skate too and i really kind of admired the way she she really went for it in her free skate in the sense that not everything was was coming super easily but she really fought for it and she worked for those landings um so you know good job kaya <laughs> and the bronze medal uh position was held by justine mcclett finished third in both segments i had not seen her even in you know video so this was something new. This was, you know, my first time getting to watch her. Mm. Yeah, she was she was good too. Um, you know, she has like nice skating skills and and some solid jumps and um and she was definitely like super happy to have done as well at this event as, you know, as she as she did. Um I don't think she was expecting it. Um, I think she was really very thrilled um, to have won the bronze here. Yeah, and fourth place for Team USA's Audrey Shin. She missed a medal by point two. What do you think about where she is at this point of the season? Um, yeah, I I think that uh, like her new programs, um, she seems to be in a good spot in terms of you know, like she's wanting to show a new and different side to her skating, maybe a little bit more mature. Um, and I thought she definitely went for it in the short program. And I think it's just, you know, it's, it's a matter of execution in the free skate. Um, you know, she just had a few too many jump problems there um, to be able to hold on to a medal, but um, not a bad start. Um, but I'm sure she's gonna want to be working on training that free skate a lot more. Oh, right. Anybody else in the women's event that you stood out to you? And um, It was just kind of nice to see uh, two skaters that we haven't seen that much of the last uh, couple of years, Dobin Choi of South Korea and Emmy Peltonen of Finland. Um, Emmy's coming back from an injury. Dobin is sort of, you know, I think is just taking whatever assignment she can get at this point, knowing how deep the South Korean ladies field is. And so it was just nice to, to see both of them and skating pretty well. Well, we'll move on to the pairs, which I know is your favorite. Um, <laughs> and I'll have to say Canada's Deanna Stiletto Dudek and Maxim Deschamps look really good. And they look, I think the best we've seen them stronger than ever, so much power. Um, they just look ready to compete. And again, she's 40 years old. Um, <laughs> they had a more than 12 point lead after the short program, won the event here, beating the world champions, uh, Rika, Mira, and Ryuchi Kiara. What did you think of Deanna and Maxim skating? Oh, I definitely loved it. Um, their short program especially was like, wow, you know, really um, definitely upgrading their speed and power from last year. And um, yeah, overall, they're they're definitely in great shape to start the season. And I I, uh, I really enjoy the storyline and the interview with the vampire program. I love the 
thought they've put into it and um you know the overall theme is is really interesting i love the detail in her costume <laughs> yeah the red blood coming down that as a fan of those types of movies <laughs> and stories i thought that was very well done it was kind of just a cool way to incorporate that piece of the theme in the costuming yeah definitely and max also has like that you know the red yeah right in here blue. yeah it's yeah. great and it, it's it's pretty cool looking yeah when you uh when you see it off the ice it's pretty it's, it's neat well you know it was disappointing to see japan's rika mira and ryuchi kiara skate not up to their level that we are used to seeing from them they just did not look prepared for this competition um, and I think they told you guys that in the mix zone. Um, and I think I looked up just to kind of see if they had competed as early as this part, like, you know, this early in the season. And they didn't compete in any challengers before the start of last season. Skate Canada was their first event. So maybe this was just too early for them, given the tours and the shows during the summer. But it was just so hard to watch them just not seem to be really ready um, for competition. Um, it just wasn't the level we're so used to seeing from them. Just even, I didn't get like that they were enjoying themselves out there. And we, you know, how we see, they're always smiling. They really enjoy being out there. I just didn't feel like they were having a good time out there. It felt like they were, you know, very upset with how they skated and, and how they performed. Yes, def definitely. Especially Riku, I think was just really, um, really dismayed, you know, like when she doesn't skate well, she, you know, is always just really disappointed. And yeah, it was, it was definitely a bit tough, you know, uh, in the mix zone. And um, yeah, they, you know, a couple of people asked, well, was it because of the shows you guys have been doing? Have you just not had time to prepare? And they just really didn't want to use that as an excuse or whatever. Um, you know, but you have to think that came into it. Um, you know, I asked them actually, had they considered withdrawing from the event um, if they didn't feel quite ready? But they said no. Um, you know, I guess they they wanted to get their season going. Um but yeah, it was too bad it didn't, you know, get off to the start they would have liked. Yeah. Now, I think I read online they are going to change their short program. And that was something that they already decided upon before Autumn Classic. Is that correct? Yes, that's what they said. And, you know, maybe that's why, you know, I felt like in the short program particularly, they just didn't. They didn't look connected either to the music or each other very much. And I just wonder if it was because they've already mentally pulled the plug on this program and are like, this just is not happening for us, you know? And so they felt like they had to to put it out there, but they just weren't committed to it, you know? Did they say what their new program is or anything like that? Or they haven't even started it yet, is that? They actually didn't share oh, any okay. details of that. Yeah. So Canada's Emmanuel Prophet and Nicholas Nadeau in their first international event as a team won the bronze medal. They were surprising for me. I didn't, I 
wasn't familiar with their skating. Um, and so it was nice to see them skate well. I, you know, I'm sure you thought the same with them as well. Um, maybe have you, have you seen them at all or are familiar with their skating? Yeah, I had seen them in a couple of, you know, Canadian competitions, um, you know, that have gotten, you know, that were streamed last season. And so I've seen them, you know, a couple times before, um, but I definitely wasn't expecting them to walk away with the bronze here. And they certainly, you know, show a lot of improvement from from last season. They seem a lot more together and uh, more in command of their elements, too. Yeah. And yeah, I remember Nicholas like winning a silver at Junior Worlds. Yeah. yeah. Like as a yeah. single skater. So this was something new. But I yeah, I was impressed with yeah. what they pulled together so far. Yeah, I was familiar with him as a single skater and I knew he switched over to pairs, but then I didn't really follow much of his pairs. And so when I saw his name and in his partner here, I was like, oh, okay. And so it was new for me, but glad to see them skate well and Another new team that did really well here, too, um, close to meddling, would be Team USA's Chelsea Liu and Balaj Nagy in their first international event together, finished fourth, third in the free skate. Everybody was talking about that impressively high triple twist in the ice coverage, in the lifts. Claire, what did you have to say about that? <laughs> Um, I, I love their programs. Um, you know, yeah, they have some uh, really standout elements with, with the twist and the lifts and, um, and particularly the last lift in their, in their free skate, which has that really cool, like sort of somersault type entry into it. And, um, or like kind of like a forward flip entry and, um, yeah, it was exciting to see them. Um, they, seem really in sync with each other and um for such a new team and good elements and um they also mentioned in the mix zone that they really enjoy skating together um they get along well um and so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing more from these two all right well anybody else that you um want to mention from the pairs event um, I think like two other teams who stood out were uh the second US team, uh Isabel Martins and Ryan Bedar. And um it was fun seeing them back in competition together. You know, they uh skated in, in juniors for many years together and were pretty successful there. Um and you know, and then they split for a while and, and now they've reteamed and they look pretty good here. Um and I definitely see um, you know, a growth in their skating, even though they were apart for a while, I'm seeing a growth in their skating from juniors. So, um, so that was nice to see. And then the other team that kind of, well, I mean, I enjoyed all the teams, but also I have to mention Cadence Dereniski and Rain Eberl from Canada. Um, they're a team that I had never seen before Canadian Nationals last year, and they they did. I think they placed top five at Canadian Nationals uh, last year, but this was like either their first international or one of their first internationals, and uh, they did quite well for themselves. And uh, they, 
mentioned that they weren't sure coming into this competition where they would be and whether they would really be sort of competitive or, or be on the same level as the other teams here, but they did pretty well and I enjoyed watching them skate. All right, Daphne. <laughs> so we're going to move on to ice dance and uh, a couple of fun facts. Most <laughs> most of the teams in this event, which I think most dance fans know, train at the Ice Academy of Montreal or the Ontario um, spinoff. I have to say it, with that, one, like, it was really cool how they had a different coach for every team. You never, like, okay, they alternated, but it wasn't like Marie France was with every single team. You know, you saw Denis, um, you saw, you know, it was just, they were alternating. So I liked that. Just one, wanted to say that. It wasn't just, they had multiple coaches there, obviously, because of... Well, it's know. easy because of that. <laughs> that's I mean, right. It's, it's nearby. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah. So only uh, Katerina Wolf-Kostin and Dmitry Sarevsky, who train at the uh, Michigan Ice Dance Academy... And our gold medalists, Ava Pate and Logan Bai, who trained with Igor Spielbahn and Pascal Kamerlengo in Novi, Michigan. Um, on paper, I think going into this event, I was kind of assuming that the French, uh, Evgenia Lopareva and Jeffrey Brousseau, were going to win the competition. And... Um, it did not go that way. In fact, uh, t Peyton By stood on top of the podium at the end of the event. Yeah, it was quite a surprise, I think, to, to a lot of people, for sure. Um, having seen Peyton By earlier this season, I know that they have been training maybe longer than some of the other teams that, that competed here. Because in Lake Placid, they looked pretty solid. Here, they looked very prepared to me. Um, and, I mean, they they won the rhythm dance by quite a bit. Or it, And in ice dance, you know, three or four points is, is quite a bit. Um, yeah. And then in the free dance, they were just barely in second. Uh, what did you take away from their performances? Um, I, I thought they looked good. Um, definitely, like you said, they looked, uh, trained and, um, their free dance is, um, not easy music to skate to, at least in my book, um, cause it's pretty fast paced and there's a lot of highlights. Um, but they definitely didn't have a problem with that. And they definitely looked, uh, definitely looked ready, as you said. Well, in second place, we already mentioned um, Lopareva and Brousseau of France. Mm. I particularly enjoyed their rhythm dance because it stood out as being very different from everyone else's. It did. It is very different from everyone else's. I have to say, though, seeing it live, I am not sure, especially when they're competing, you know, outside of Europe, I don't know if this rhythm dance is going to get the same kind of crowd reaction that some of the other ones are, because this music is not familiar to uh, to North American audiences anyhow. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill at all. And, um, you know, so when you said that besides skaters, dancers who are skating to like, you know, these really super well-known hits from the eighties, I'm, I'm not sure, you know? Yeah. Uh, they chose to go with some selections that are by a French Canadian singer, Malen Farmer. And they probably got a decent reaction just because this competition was in Quebec and so she's from that area or they're familiar with her music so I think they may have gotten a pretty decent reaction and then we remember something very important where are our worlds <laughs> this year <laughs> Montreal yeah, <laughs> um, so I think it could be a hit in Montreal I think you know, depending on what the audience looks like. But I do think you're right. European audiences may not be as familiar. And listeners out there, if you are from Europe and you are familiar with the music, you know, let us know. You know, educate us on this because I appreciated it for standing out for being different. I was okay with that. Yeah, that, I liked it because um, it wasn't like a Michael Jackson or a Madonna or Janet Jackson. The same ones we're seeing um, over and over here with the 80s. But again, yeah, maybe people aren't as familiar with it and doesn't get the reaction that it may have gotten here in Montreal or, you know. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, again, what crowds think of it in Europe but also they are competing at Skate America so what will the U.S. crowd think of the program you know will they be familiar with the music yeah it's like when you look at the score sheet you know too in their rhythm dance you know most of the margin you know that they fell short on is on the technical side so it could be, you know, um, polish up some of those levels and, you know, sort of just improve the execution a little bit, make it a little bit smoother and stronger. It could be that, um, you know, that this dance will work fine for them. Yeah, I appreciate what they're trying to do. And I look forward to seeing it evolve over the season as we continue on this long ride that we're on into the 2023-24 season. <laughs> so outside of that, um, Hannah Lim and Ye Kwon of Korea won the bronze medal. Um, there has been some discussion online about their Umbrellas of Shaborg free dance. I've enjoyed this team because their programs have been kind of quirky the last couple of years. They seem to be able to handle multiple styles but there's this there's a quirkiness to it and these programs this season don't seem as quirky at least the free dance didn't to me it was something i think that was different for them mm. 
Yeah, yes, definitely. Um, and uh, I talked with them about it a little bit, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg. I'm actually going to have a new interview coming out with them on my website uh, sometime in the next couple weeks. And um, yeah, and so Hannah and Ye just said, you know, they wanted to do something that was going to be more about their partnership, like more about their connection, because they're feeling like as they move up to seniors, that they need to improve their connection and make that part of their skating, you know, even stronger and, and the bigger part of their programs. So that's why they went with the umbrellas uh, free skate. One of the reasons anyhow. Well, we look forward to that article and we will make sure to share it on our social media and on our future episode of our podcast once it gets released. Thank you. So one other team I wanted to point out, uh, we got a big debut here, Olivia Smart, who we interviewed on this podcast way back. Um, I think it was like April or April, May, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we interviewed Olivia and th- she kind of confirmed the partnership on our podcast. And they made their debut at this competition. Um, what I took away from it was I think they're a good match. I think they just need to keep training and, and build over time. Uh, what did you think? Um, I really enjoyed watching them both in practice and in competition. Um, you know, the programs are fun. Um, and, you know, I agree with you that I think overall they just need more time to develop the partnership and, and just sort of the elements and, and um, you know, and just make it all stronger. Um, you know, but considering how new they are as a team, they already do look really great. And um, I have to say, Olivia is just amazing in, you know, her ability to sort of find the moments in the program and really sell them. Um, just really impressive. She really stands out in that way. And um, I enjoyed watching them a lot. Me too. Yeah. I'm excited to see how they develop over the season and seasons to come and i just want to point out those silver pants that she wore in the rhythm dance that she got the night before i think i saw that in your (laughs) uh tweet there claire i thought that was really cool and and i'm liking tim's pink jacket in the um free dance um so i know their costumes are still a work in progress but i love how she's not afraid to tell people how the costume came about, that she literally got the pants the night before. I think those <laughs> pants need to stay. I think if she doesn't wear those, some variation of silver needs to happen because that was very 80s disco to me. So yes. good. I was so excited about it because it, it there was a lot of sparkle. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, you know that with Olivia, the costumes are always going to be, they're always going to be noticeable mm-hmm. and, and just stand out. And she did not disappoint here. No, definitely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> Was there any other um, performance in the dance event that stood out to you that you want to mention? Um, I mean, I enjoyed, you know, all the teams really, but I do have to just give, you know, a little bit of notice to Katerina Wolf-Kostin and Dmitry Zarevsky. Um, 
you know, these two really caught my eye a lot in the practices and in the competition. Um, you know, they're a tall team together um, and they just have a really big presence on the ice. And, you know, when they came out for the free skate um, or for the free dance rather, you know, they were the first uh, team in the final flight. You, you could immediately see like a really big and noticeable pickup in terms of the skating skills and the, um, you know, just the power. Um, so I did really enjoy seeing these two um, in their international debut, and I'm definitely excited to see more from them. Yeah, that is awesome. Claire, is there anything else that you want to share about this competition? We really appreciate you coming yeah. on and talking with us about it. I know our listeners have enjoyed when we bring someone on to talk about some of the internationals. Uh, we're going to try to do it as much as we can throughout the mm. season. So is there anything else you'd like to share? Um, yeah, I guess I would just say it was just a fun event to be at overall um, because of new program debuts and and um you know seeing some new teams and um seeing Ilya Malinin and Kaori Sakamoto their you know sort of season debuts um so it just kind of reminded me that you know even when there's withdrawals like there were from this event skaters withdrawing and even when it's an early season event it just still can be so fun to to go to these you know challenger series events and the whole atmosphere is just a little bit more relaxed and it's just it's just fun yeah and you'll get to see the programs you know we're for most of the skaters hopefully at worlds back in montreal so that'll be great but can you tell our listeners where they can find you on social media because i mean you were posting a lot during um the event but i know you've got some articles and stuff coming soon too so let our listeners know where they can find you yes um you can find me uh my website online at a divine sport.com and uh and then we're on twitter as well um and instagram and facebook excellent well thanks claire thanks, so claire. much yes. We're going to let Claire sign off because she <laughs> just got back from Autumn Classic and is getting back into the real world after being gone. So, um, yeah, Claire, thanks for joining us. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Great to talk with you guys. Okay, so let's continue, Gina. Yeah, let's move on to the Junior Grand Prix in Osaka, Japan. We'll start with the men. Francois Pinot of France earned his second Junior Grand Prix medal of the season, this time gold. He has punched his ticket to the Junior Grand Prix final. Um, in third after the short program, his free skate included seven triple jumps, including two triple axles and a triple lutz double axle, double axle sequence. He received an edge call on his triple flip. Francois is coached by Roman Ponsard. Saw him in the kiss and cry, so that was nice to see there. Silver went to Korea's Junyeon Lim, who was the leader after the short program. This was his Junior Grand Prix debut. He also had a triple lutz, double axle, double axle in his free skate. He had a jump called on the quarter. Um, it was a triple loop, and his triple sal cow was under-rotated. His second Junior Grand Prix will be in Poland, so we'll have to see if he can 
qualify for the Junior Grand Prix Final. Team USA's Danielle Martinoff was in fifth after the short program, but moved up to claim the bronze medal, his first Junior Grand Prix medal in three attempts. He landed all three triple axles cleanly in his programs and earned ISU personal bests in his free skate and total score. Now, Daniel does not officially have a second Junior Grand Prix right now, but there is still one to-be-determined men's spot left for the final Junior Grand Prix in Armenia. And so we'll have to see if he gets a sign there. Um, Daniel did also share some cute Instagram story clips showing younger skaters at his home rink greeting him upon his return and asking for autographs. That's so cute. Uh, Love seeing those. And fellow American Michael G was in ninth place after the short program, but had the third best free skate of the men's event to finish just off the podium in fourth place. His free skate and total score were ISU personal bests in the final junior Grand Prix of his career. Um, he ages out next season. G has finished sixth in he finished sixth in Bangkok, um, missing the first week of freshman classes at the University of California, Berkeley. Interesting fact there. So another skater balancing school and skating. Well, moving on to the women, in her first Junior Grand Prix of the season, World Junior Champion Mao Shimada took home gold in front of her home crowd. She executed a clean triple axel in the free skate. Looked great. She fell on her quad toe attempt, which was downgraded. She won the event by 25 points, and she will compete in her second Junior Grand Prix in Armenia. Fellow Japanese skater Yo Takaji improved on her fourth place in Bangkok to win the silver medal in Osaka. She received ISU personal best for her short program free skate and total score. Yu Fang Phoebe, as like as she likes to be called, Sai of Chinese Taipei, also improved on her performances in Bangkok. She was in ninth in Bangkok. She won the bronze medal here. She also earned ISU personal best scores for her short program, free skate, and total score. This was the first Junior Grand Prix medal for Chinese Taipei since 2000, when U.S.-born and Chicago-area skater Karina Chen won a Junior Grand Prix bronze representing Chinese Taipei in Gdansk, Poland in October of 2000. Wow. There were no pairs in this competition. Pairs are going to return this week in Hungary. The winners of the first JGP events with pairs, Canada's Martina Ariano Kent and Charlie La Liberté Laurent, will go up against Georgia's Anastasia Metelkina and Luka Barulova at this competition in Hungary. The Ukrainian pair that won bronze at the 2023 Junior Worlds, Violeta Sirova and Ivan Kopta, will start their international season in Budapest. So it is going to be quite an interesting Paris competition next week. So moving on to dance, um, Team USA's Leia Neset and Arta Markolov won their second JGP of the season and have qualified for the Junior Grand Prix Final. Very, very closely behind them, uh, only 1.35 points behind, Elizabeth Kachenko and Alexei Kalayakov, uh, they represent Israel. This is their third season representing Israel, and 
They ended a 19-year drought for Israel on the JDP series and ice dance. The last team that medaled uh, did so in 2004, and that was the sibling team of Alexandra Zaretsky and Roman Zaretsky. And in third, Selena Fragi and Jean-Hans Fernot got the bronze medal. They finished second in Bangkok, and now they have to wait to see how the rest of the series goes to find out if they qualify for the JDP final. They competed at the final last year and were sixth. One big competition that took place, as Gina mentioned, the U.S. Solo Dance National Final took place this past week in Chicago. It was a very, very busy week. Over at IDC, we had a very special correspondent, Brooke Tufts, who was very busy when she wasn't competing, as she did a bunch of interviews at the competition. Those are available over at icedance.com's Instagram account. Whole bunch of reels. Um, it was it was great to have Brooke there. We also had a bunch of bloggers as well, because this competition is has so many different levels and so many different events. I wanted to get multiple perspectives. So there are four solo dancers who blogged for us from the competition. So it was great to have them uh, share their experiences. So just quickly, I'm going to mention the senior came down to Brooke Tufts and Lucas Appel going head to head once again. This is a friendly rivalry that has been going on for some time. Brooke won the gold medal, finishing about three and a half points ahead of Lucas, who won silver. Shinlay Case of the Dallas Figure Skating Club won the bronze. We just did an article on her over at IDC. And the pewter medal went to Abby Mumby, and she's from Greater Kalamazoo Skating Association. And in the junior event, Amal Israelova got the gold medal. She was a... she was like 25 points ahead of everyone else. Um, Jordan Brenner won the silver. Tommy Liu, the bronze. And Chloe Felton won the pewter medal. And one thing I wanted to mention, Amanda Urban, who had had a lot of success on the series, um, solo dance series this season, had to withdraw due to an injury suffered just before this competition. So we wish her the, um, you know, a speedy recovery. So... She can come back next season um, stronger than ever. Yeah. Well, there were two more events that took place uh, this past weekend. The Sydney Synchronized Festival and the Yelava Cup in Latvia. We will put both links to their results in our show notes. So moving on to general skating news. On September 15th, the Lithuanian president, Jitanas Nasida, signed a decree stripping Margarita Drobiasko of her Lithuanian citizenship. Drobiasko was born in Moscow and obtained Lithuanian citizenship in 1993. She married her partner, Povilis Vanagis, who was born in Lithuania, in 2000, and they skated together at five Olympics. This comes after the team was stripped of state awards in 2022. Decision was made on the recommendation of the Citizenship Commission Special legislation that allows the deprivation of citizenship of those who acquired it, not by birthright, but as an exception, as in the case of Drobiasko. The corresponding amendments were adopted in 2023 
in March, precisely in connection with this case, and citizenship can be revoked on the grounds that a citizen's actions pose a threat to the security of Lithuania and its allies. And we will have a link to that article in the show notes. For figure skating fans in Canada who have the Crave streaming service, I Have Nothing starring comedian Caroline Taylor will debut on Saturday, September 23rd. There is a three-time trailer, special guest appearances by Sandra Bezik, Kurt Browning, Brian Orser, Liz Manley, Katia Gordieva, and David Peltier, Barb Underhill and Paul Martini, Alaj Baldi, Adam Rippon, Riku Mira, and Ryuchi Kiara, and more. And we will have a link to that in our show notes. Well, Netflix fans, this week the Australian documentary Katya and Harley has been added, so it's now streaming in the USA as of September 15th. Gina has started watching it. I have not yet. I feel like I have to get in a certain place mentally before I watch something like this. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, um, I'm like maybe halfway through. So I possibly might have to start over again because it was, um, I started watching it uh, Sunday and I haven't watched, it was like early Sunday that I started watching it and I haven't watched it since. So, but I will definitely um, let you guys know what I think once I finish it. Well, the Dick Button Artistic Figure Skating Festival, which was held last year in Lake Placid, will be held on Saturday, October 14th at the Skating Club of Boston in Norwood and will feature an ensemble such as Ice Theater of New York and Ice Dance International, as well as Jeremy Abbott and the Hated Nets. And Kat Cornetta is going to be there covering it for FSO. She and I just talked about it uh, over the weekend, so I'm looking forward to her going over there and checking it out. Well, there have been some assignment changes as posted on the U.S. Figure Skating International assignment page. Um, Una Brown and Gage Brown and Grace Hans and Danny Newdecker were named to Skate America. This is the Brown's second Grand Prix. This is Grace and Danny's first Grand Prix event. Olivia Illen and Dylan Kane will replace Helena Carhart and Volodymyr Hirovi at the JGP in Hungary. Christina Bland and Matthew Sperry will be replacing Helena and Volodymyr at the JGP in Poland. Also, unfortunately, Naomi Williams and Lachlan Luer will not be competing at their two JGP events, Hungary and Poland. He ages out of ISU Junior next season, and there are no replacements for them at those events. Caroline Green and Michael Parsons are no longer competing at Nepola Memorial. And Ellie Cam and Danny O'Shea are listed as withdrawn as of 9.15 from this coming week's Nebelhorn Trophy on the U.S. Figure Skating International Assignments page. Well, moving on to recent articles and interviews, U.S. Figure Skating Fan Zone, I believe Claire did this article. She talked with Katerina Wolfkosten and Dmitry Turevsky um, about their fast start to their um, partnership. This was ahead of Autumn Classic, so she talked about their partnership there. And then they also have a interest, a similar interest, not related to skating, so you'll have to go and read that article to find out what that is. Golden Skate had an article on the sibling ice dance team of Natalie Tashlerova and Philip Tashler. The ISU... 
did an article with Mao Shimada about her being ready to shine in the new season. Deanna Stiletto Dudak and Maxime Deschamps were the, sub- were the subject of an article on Europe on Ice, and this interview took place before Autumn Classic. Christina Carrera and Anthony Pomerenko were on the podcast The Spiro Show. Over at Anything GOEs, Sarah Knight spoke to Lila Fear and Lewis Gibson, Phoebe Becker and James Hernandez, and the new team of Layla Carnes and Liam Carr at the August Qualifier in Sheffield, Great Britain, to talk about their programs for the 23-24 season. And Golden Skate had a review of An Evening with Champions. The review includes updates on retired and currently competing skaters like Star Andrews, who plans to start her season at the new King's Cup International for senior junior single skaters in El Segundo, California in early October. So moving on to social media updates. Piper Gillis shared photos from her first ovarian cancer Canada Walk for Hope. Kirsten Moore Towers announced her engagement to Liam Ferris on August 22nd in Barcelona, Spain. The engagement happened just four hours before they learned the news of Alexandra Paul. Kirsten and Alexandra were good friends and Kirsten was in Alexandra's wedding. Liam is the older brother of Shane Ferris. Shane, of course, is an Irish ice dancer now. He and Carol Ann Susis are representing Ireland this yes. season. Well, congratulations to Kirsten and Liam. Nadia Bashinska vlogged her first Skate Canada High Performance Camp, was uploaded on September 13th. Well, for our program announcements, I'm still updating our website, so make sure you continue to check it out. I think the more competitions that go by, the more information we get to add. And I think we have a pretty comprehensive list. Yes, I think I'm keeping up with it pretty well. Um, I need to get back in there and check it out and see if there was anything I missed from Autumn Classic. And if we have any um, programs that we'll be seeing um, at Nebelhorn, because moving on to upcoming events for the week, Nebelhorn Trophy is taking place September 20th to the 23rd in Orbisdorf, Germany. On September 20th through the 23rd, we also have the Junior Grand Prix in Budapest, Hungary. September 21st to the 24th, it's Challenge Cup, which is an NQS for dance in Ardmore, Pennsylvania. And I believe Melanie will be heading there to be the event photographer. She is, and this is the last NQS for dance. Is this her first NQS event that she gets to cover for dance? No, she's covered, she's been at a couple. She was at Silicon Valley. Oh, that's right, Silicon Valley. I knew she wasn't at Lake Placid and I knew she wasn't at Dallas, so I wasn't sure if this was her first one, but I forgot about This will be her first, yeah, this is going to be her first big opportunity to see some of the programs that we've already seen this season. So I'm excited for her to get to see them in person because there is, there'll be a lot of teams at that competition, I think. Also happening, Broadmoor Fall Classic in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and that is an NQS event for singles and pairs. We're getting to the end of the NQS events, so we're going to be talking about the finals coming up pretty soon. (laughs) So that brings us to the end of our playing content. This is a supersized episode because we had a lot to talk about with Autumn Classic. 
Gina, can you let folks know where they can find us? Well, you can find us at our website. It's thisweekinskating.com on social media, including the site formerly known as Twitter, at thiswkinskating, and Facebook and Instagram, it's thisweekinskating. We're also on Threads, the new social media platform for Meta, and I hope to be posting there more now that I can actually post from the desktop. That's helpful, because sometimes trying to post on your phone just doesn't always work for me. No. So, um, so yeah, so I'm glad I can do that while I'm updating the other ones online. I can do that one as well. Um, we love your feedback or your questions. You can reach out to us on social media or email us at thisweekinskating at gmail.com. We appreciate all the support we've received via email and social media, especially those who had sent us some questions for our mailbag. We really appreciate um, you sending those in for us. And thank you to the people who uh, posted some comments and sharing their well wishes for our 100th episode. Um, We're so glad you're enjoying listening to the podcast. Um, Thank you to Tatiana and Jackie for, you know, kind of sharing it a little bit and that we had reached the 100th episode. So um, thank you. And this is 101 and we're on our way to the next 100. So, yeah. So we like to end our podcast shining a lens on something that's going on over at our respective websites. Well, I had a lot of social uh, media and blogs for Solo Nationals. I had four bloggers, Bella Danik, Mia Zamcho, uh, Charlotte Manfield, and Julia Wensley, all blogged from Solo Nationals. So it was very interesting to read their perspectives. Also have photos coming from Autumn Classic. Some of the JGP Japan photos are also up. I'm still working on them. I'm kind of buried in photos and podcast editing right now. So bear with me. It's coming. What's going on, Gina, over at FSO? Um, Not as many photos as you have over there at uh, IDC. And I, and I really do like that you got all those blogs from Solo Nationals. That's really cool and in Brooke being your correspondent. Um, she did such She did a, a great, great job. job. That was a lot of fun. And congrats to her for winning. Um, her and to Lucas as well. Yes, I think, yes, both you of know, them. that's such a great rivalry between the two of them. And it's, um, it was just really cool to, to watch Brooke through all of those interviews really kind of introduce these skaters to our icedance.com fan base and our followers because we're trying to pay more attention to solo dance and we will continue that over this off season. But back to my question. Yeah. Back to what's going on over at FSO. I have autumn classic photos coming. They're coming a little slow. I don't know if Robin's hands were so cold from being inside uh, that arena in Montreal that she has got cold hands and she's slow getting me photos, but they're coming. I swear they're coming. So um, check out Autumn Classic photos later in the week. Definitely. I'm still working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know you're waiting for her, you know, photos too, wondering, you know, maybe she just had some cold hands and she's just a little slower than normal getting them to us, but she's on her way now to Nebelhorn. So I will have photos from Nebelhorn next week. Here we go. It's just, you know, one event after one after another. (laughs) It's great. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Daphne. And I'm Gina. 
And you've been listening to This Week in Skating. Have a nice week! Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.